Assalamualaikum to all. Today's daf is Ches. However, we're starting Zayin Amabez, six lines from the bottom. The Gemara says, Gufa, Amr Rav Chizda. We had previously mentioned, Rav Chizda says, Not Konab Rosh Yachid. If a person planted a pole within Rosh Yachid, Vizark Venoch Agabav, then he threw something from Rosh Yachid and rested on top of the pole. Afilu Gavay Mea Amma, even if the pole is a hundred Amas tall. Chayv, he's Chayv for transferring something from Rosh Yachid to Rosh Yachid. Why? Because Rosh Yachid goes all the way up until the sky, all the way a hundred Amas tall, and even higher than that. Says the Gemara, Lim Rav Chizda Damak Rebbe. Maybe Rav Chizda says like Rebbe. The Tanya, we had a Brisa, which we also mentioned previously. Zark Venoch HaGabay, Ziz Kalshu, if a person throws an object in Rosh Chizda Harabim, and it lands on the smallest protrusion, which is less than four by four Tfachim. So Rebbe Mechaev, Rebbe says you're Chaev because you don't need to have uh, hanacha, a resting on something that's more than 4x4 Tvachim. Vacham Pachim, and Vacham say that you're Pater because it needs to be resting on something that's more than 4x4 Tvachim. So let's say the Rav Chista holds the same thing because Rav Chista had told us that if my object rested on top of my pole, the reason why it's considered resting in Rosh Hashayachid is because Rosh Hashayachid goes from the floor all the way up 100 Amas, all the way up to this pole. Well, if this pole was actually 4x4 Tvachim, then the reason why this guy would be Chayev is because the pole itself is considered Rosh Yachid. From the fact that we have to drag a Rosh Yachid from the floor all the way up 100 Amis must be that the pole is less than 4x4 Tvachim and that it's still considered a Hanacha arresting on something that's less than 4x4 Tvachim. So it seems that Rav Chizda holds exactly like Rebbe says the Gemara on Chesam and Alf on the top Amr Abai Rosh Yachid and Rosh Yachid the Kuli Amli Pligi everyone agrees Kid Rav Chizda that Rosh Yachid goes all the way up to the sky. Right, so what's the Machalikas between Rebbe and the Rabbanan, Elahacha, their machlekes is, Be'ilon ha'amin b'rshes yachid v'naifin ha'it l'rshes ha'rabim, is that I have a tree that's in rshes ha'yachid, and his branches are leaning into rshes ha'rabim, v'zark v'nacha noifai, and he throws an object in the rshes ha'rabim, and it rests on the branches. Do Rebbe Sava, Rebbe's other opinion, Amin and Shadi naifin basar yukari, that the branches are considered as if they're part of the trunk of the tree, and since the trunk of the tree is in rshes ha'yachid, the branches too have a din of rshes ha'yachid, and this person effectively made a transfer from rshes ha'rabim to rshes ha'yachid. They're of the opinion that the branches are not necessarily part of the trunk, and therefore the branches are considered to be in a Rishisarabim, and therefore this object is still in the Rishisarabim, and therefore this fellow is not Chayev. Continues the Gemara Amr Abai. Zar Kavaris Rishisarabim. Person throws a woven reed basket, which happens to be circular. Into Rosh Hashanah, Gavaya Yud, it's ten Tfachim Tolva in Rechavavav, and it's not six Tfachim wide. Chayv is Chayv, Rechavavav, but if it's six Tfachim wide, Pater is Pater. Why is this? We know that a person's Chayv if he throws an object in Rosh Hashanah. However, if he doesn't throw an object, he throws a Rishos, a domain, so he's not Chayv. Imagine if you had a movable Rosh Hashanah and you move it within Rosh Hashanah, so you're not Chayv. It's just simply its own Rishos. And that's exactly what this fellow did. If I have something that's ten tall and four wide, that's a Rosh Hashayachid, and he wouldn't be high for throwing it into Rosh Hashayachid. Now, this basket is, in essence, 10 by 4. The reason why we say 6 over here is because since it's round, it's got to be able to have 4 by 4 Tvachim within the diameter, within the circumference of this circular basket. Therefore, the diameter of the basket has to be 6 Tvachim wide in order to be able to have a square, which is 4 by 4. So therefore, if my circular wicker basket is 6 by 10, then there's not a problem. But if it's a little bit less than 6 by 10, then it's considered throwing an object and a fellow would be Chayev. 
Continues the Gemara. Rava Amar Rava says, "Afilu in Rochavavav. Even if it's not six wide putter, he's still reputter." My time. Why is this? Yevshul Ekremi Shakana. It's impossible that the slivers of reed shaloyalu l'mal me'asara that they don't reach above ten tefachim. And we know that when a person throws something into the Rishus Rabbim. If it rests completely in Rosh Hashanah, he's chayv. But if it rests a little bit above the Rosh Hashanah, higher than the 10 tefach airspace of the Rosh Hashanah, then he would be putter. And this object, this basket, since it's 10 tefachim exactly, but there's a few slivers of reed that go above the 10 tefachim, so then he's putter for throwing to Rosh Hashanah, even if it's less than 6 tefachim. The Gemara mentions more cases. Kefal piha. Let's say he turned this basket upside down. So now the opening of the basket's facing downwards. Shivu mashahu. If the basket's seven and a bit tall, chayv, he's still chayv for throwing an object in Rosh Hashanah. Shivu mechza. But if it's seven and a half tefachim tall, which really means it's just a little bit more than seven and a bit, putter, then he'd be putter. Why is it that he'd be putter? Now let's put on our pictorial caps right now. Now imagine someone throws a, an upside down reed basket into the Rosh Hashanah. The moment it hit that it's it's within three tfachim of the ground of the Rosh Hashanah, take a snapshot, a freeze frame, and stop the basket right there. We know the concept of lovud, and lovud takes two objects and extends them to be connected to each other if they're within three tfachim of each other. So now that this basket is within three tfachim of the floor of the Rosh Hashanah, so now the walls of the basket are, it's like they're extended downwards and they're actually resting on the floor of the Rosh Hashanah. Therefore, if this basket is seven and a half tfachim tall, or seven and a bit plus a bit tfachim tall, then that means the top of the basket is now poking out from this ten tefach airspace of the Rosh Hashanah, and therefore this fellow halachically didn't throw anything in the Rosh Hashanah, because halachically this basket is considered like it's resting. However, if it's less than seven tfachim tall, so even when we say lavud, it's still going to be within that ten tefach of airspace. And that's why a person would be putter if it's more than seven and a bit tfachim tall. However, Ravashi argues, Ravashi Omar Ravashi says, Afilu shiva umechza chayv, even if it's seven and a half tfachim, he still would be chayv. By time of why is this? Since the walls of the basket are meant to contain objects within them, and now that you threw this basket in upside down, it can't contain any objects in it because it's upside down. Therefore, it's considered as if these walls don't exist, and I can't halachically extend these walls using this concept of lovud if the walls don't really exist, because now the walls have no purpose, now they're upside down. So he argues and says, only if my basket is ten tefachim tall, only then I'll be able to be potter for throwing it into Rosh Hashanah, but not if it's seven and a half. Continues the Gemara, Amr Ula Ula says, Amotisha Rabim, if there's a pole that's nine Tfachim and it's in Rosh Hashanah, Virabim Mekathanolov, and most people use it to adjust their burdens on. Vizark Fenachagabav, then a person takes an object and throws throws it on it and it rests on it, chayv, so he'd be chayv for transferring four amos in Rosh Hashanah. My time, why is this? Less than three Tfachim, Midras Darsile Rabim, people will step on this item that's in Rosh Hashanah, and it's considered part of Rosh Hashanah. Mishlaisha Atisha, but from three Tfachim until nine Tfachim, Le Midras Darsile, people won't step on it, like Sufi Mikhasvi, and they won't necessarily adjust their burdens on it, so therefore we'll just have a status of a Carmelist. Tisha, but if there's if it's nine Tfachim, Vade Mikhasvi Nilave, people for sure use it to adjust their burden, and Therefore, it's part of the Rosh Hashanah and someone would be chayv for adjusting his burden on it. What about if I have a hole which is nine tfachim in the Rosh Hashanah? Does it have a status of Rosh Hashanah or not? You're right. A guma also, a pit, 
has a status of Rosh Hashanah if it's nine Tfachim deep. Rav Amar Begumalai, that a pit that's nine Tfachim deep does not have a status of Rosh Hashanah in my time. Oh, why not? Rav explains, an inconvenient usage of something is not considered a proper usage. And it's very inconvenient to use a pit that's nine Tfachim deep in Rosh Hashanah. So therefore, it doesn't have a status of Rosh Hashanah. Asks the Gemara on Rava, Rava. He asks on Rava, If a person has a basket in the Rosh and it's ten by four, so it's Rosh Yachid, right? You're not allowed to um, perform any sort of usage or transference from this basket to Rosh Hashanah, and not from Rosh Hashanah into the basket. But if it's less than 10 by 4 metaltalin, so then you could do it because it's part of the Rosh Hashanah. And the same thing applies to a pit. So now the Gemara suggests, my love, what is this referring to? Asefa. It must be that the Vechein Beguma is going in the latter statement that if my basket is less than 10 by 4, so it's considered part of the Rosh Hashanah, therefore a pit, if it's less than 10 by 4, is also considered part of the Rosh Hashanah. Question on Rava, the Gemara says no. Loi, not so. Aresha, it's going on the first part of the statement that if my basket is more than 10 by 4 it's considered a shesayachid so too if my my pit is more than 10 by 4 then it's going to be considered However, if it's less than 10 by 4, it's not necessarily part of the Rosh Hashanah. So now we ask another question on Rava. on the top. We ask a question. Now, a short introduction before we, before we have this question on Rava. We know that a person is forbidden to travel on Shabbos more than 2,000 Amis from his official place of, of residence on the onset of Shabbos. This is called the Tchum or Tchum Shabbos. That's our 2,000 Amis limit, limit. Now, generally, a person's Makaim Shvisa, which means his place of resting, his Shabbos residence, is the place where he was actually residing, where he was living at the beginning of Shabbos. However, if a person wants to extend this 2,000 Amis, so then he can walk in any given direction and establish his place of resting in that area where he was. How is he able to achieve this? He takes some food. So having food or a suda is considered a place of resting. He can leave it at that area, which is 2,000 amas away at twilight at Banashmashis. And now, if that's considered his place of resting, even though he's not actually sleeping there, he just has food there, so that's still considered a place of resting. And now on Shabbos, he's allowed to walk to that place, and then he's allowed to walk 2,000 Amas past that place, because that new place is considered where his Makam Shvisa is, his place of resting is. So now the Gemara says, A person had intent to acquire his place of resting in the in a Rosh Hashanah. He takes his Erev, which is his food, his Suda, and he places it inside a pit if it's above 10 tfachim, so it's considered a good if it's less than 10 tfachim, it's not considered a good Erev and now the Gemara analyzes this before it asks this question on Rava what does this mean that it's more or less than 10 tfachim if you're talking about that he places Erev in a pit that was more than 10 tfachim and when we said that it was Lemala so that means is that he simply raised his is Erev in the airspace of the pit above 10 Tfachim from the floor of the pit. 
or ulamata, and when it says that he placed it below ten tefachim, is that he placed it below ten tefachim, meaning deeper than ten tefachim into the airspace of the pit. So the Gemara asks on the explanation, mali lamala, mali lamata. What does it make a difference where in the pit he places eruv? If the eruv, if the pit itself is a ten by four, that means the whole, the entirety of the pit, all the airspace of the pit is considered rishasa yachid, and therefore huba makam echad that means that he's in one place, he's in Rosh Hashanah and his Erev is in Rosh Hashanah and that's not a valid Erev. Why is that not a valid Erev? Because, again, it has to be possible for twilight, for at twilight, at Ben it has to be possible for him to be able to eat his Suda. Technically, if he was next to his food, he would be able to eat it. So it has to be a technical possibility of this to be his resting place. But however, if Ben Hashmashas, if at twilight, he's not able to access his Eruv because he's in Rosh Hashanah and his Eruv's in Rosh Hashanah so it's not a valid Eruv. So the Gemara says, okay, so it must be it must be that the pit didn't have ten tefachim in it. And we see Viktani Eruve Erev. We see that his Erev is considered a good Erev. Alma, now we ask our question on Rava. Tashmish Chak, an inconvenient Tashmish. Shmei Tashmish is still considered like a usage, even though it's inconvenient. And so we see that a pit, which is less than ten tefachim, even though it's inconvenient to use, it's still considered part of the Rosh Hashanah. So the Gemara says, no. Zimni Mishani Lei, sometimes... Ravel would answer the following question is Huva Eruva Bakarmalis. It really means that he and his Eruv are in a Carmelis. So my Carl Roshasarabim. So why did we say that he's in Roshasarabim? It just means he's not in Roshasayachid. And sometimes Ravel would answer this question is Huva Roshasarabim. Is that you're right? He's in Roshasarabim. The Eruva Bakarmalis. And his Eruv is in a Carmelis. And the Rebbe, he, this is really the opinion of Rebbe. The Amr called Davashu Mishum Shvos. Anything which is a Shvos, which means it's Isra Durabanan. We're not allowed to do it only because of Rabbinic. Decree like Gazru Al So if it's been Ashmash, if it's if it's twilight, so Rabbanan said this decree that we made, then on Shabbos you're not allowed to do it. Since it's been Ashmash, it's twilight, you're allowed to do it. And therefore, he's in Rosh Hashanah and his Erev is in a Carmelis. And on Shabbos itself, you're not allowed to transfer from Rosh Hashanah to a Carmelis and vice versa. However, we're discussing twilight Ben and since twilight, he would be allowed to take something from the Carmelis, or he'd be allowed to put his Erev back into the Carmelis, so then it's still considered like a fine Erev. And again, Rava has defended his opinion, and that Tashmish al-Dayad is not considered Tashmish. And Rava says, Don't say I'm just trying to push you off and tell you that the way you understood this brisa of Erev is not a good way. I'm actually telling you that this is the proper way to understand the brisa. Now, Rav is t- saying this because many times an Amora will defend himself by just saying, don't learn the brisa that way, learn it another way, simply to show the other person that they can't ask a question on your opinion, but not necessarily that that's actually the proper way to learn the brisa. Here, Rav is saying, this is actually the proper way to learn the brisa the way I learned it. I'm not just trying to push you off. Did not, we have a Mishnah. If there's a large pool of water in the Rosh Rabim, and people actually walk through this pool of water, if a person throws from Rosh Rabim into this puddle, and it's for Amas, so he's for throwing something in Rosh Rabim, because the pool of water is considered part of the Shusram because people walk through it. The Kamahura Kakmaim, how large is this pool of water allowed to be to be considered still part of the Shusram? It's got to be less the tent fachim deep and continues the Mishnah with another case. And if I have a pool of water in which the people walk through it, 
If a person throws something into a Dalaramas, he's chayv. It seems like the Mishnah just mentioned the same halacha twice. So the Gemara analyzes. The reason why I need to mention that there's a pool of water two different times. Want to tell me that the pool of water could be there during the summer. Want to tell me that it could be there during the winter. Why is this Sutsricha? I need both of these cases. If I only mention the case of pool of water during the summer, I would say it makes sense to walk through it because the summer is very hot so people would want to walk through a puddle of water in order to cool themselves off if there's a puddle of water in a during the winter, I might say a person would never want to walk through it. So for sure, it's not part of Rosh Hashanah. So therefore, I have to mention it regarding the winter. If I only mentioned the puddle of water regarding the winter, I might say, since a person anyway is dirty because of all the muddiness of the streets during the winter, so therefore a person will walk through a puddle of water anyway he's dirty. But during the summer light, a person wouldn't necessarily walk through a puddle of water that's in the street. That's why I need two separate cases regarding a puddle of water. Why did the Mishnah need to be redundant and say that there's this puddle of water and both times mentioned to me that people walk through this puddle of water? I could have just mentioned it in the first case in the Mishnah and the second time I mentioned puddle of water, I didn't have to say anything about walking through it. I could have just said, and if a person throws into it, so he's chayev. It must be that the Mishnah is trying to emphasize by saying that a person walks through this puddle of water twice He's trying to teach me that an inconvenient walking through something is still considered like I'm walking through it, so it's still considered part of the Shasurabim. But the diok, the inference I'm supposed to make from there is tashim but a inconvenient usage tashmish is not considered like a proper usage of something. Shmamina Rava has a proof from a Mishnah to tell me that tashim an inconvenient usage will tell me that this thing is not part of the shesurabim. So this is regarding a puddle of water, and it's also regarding a pit in the shesurabim, even though it's less than nine tefachim, since. It's Tashim Shaydei Edchak, an inconvenient usage. It's not going to be considered part of the Rosh Hashanah. Continues the Gemara. I'm Rav Yehuda. A new case. High Zirza Dekani. A long bundle of reeds. Rama Vizakveh. He picked it up and threw it. Rama Vizakveh. He picked it up and threw it. Loi Mechayv. He's not going to Chabichayv Ad Akerle until he actually does a proper Akira. This is regarding referring to something very tall. Imagine for yourself a large bundle of Schach and it's too heavy for you to pick up. So you kind of stood it up straight and then threw it forward and then stood it up straight and threw it forward. And that's way you got it through the Shasarabim. Since you never actually lifted the entire thing up, Therefore, it's not considered like you picked it up and carried the Shasarabim and you're not Chayv. Continues the Gemara analyzing what we had previously said. Omar Mar, Adam Ayman Ali Skupa, a person could stand on this little landing. Neutlum Balabayas, he could take from the Balabayas, Venaisin Lai and give something back to him. Neutlum Ani, he could take something from the Ani, Venaisin Lai and give to him. And now the Gemara analyzes. Hi, Skupa Mai. What exactly is this Skupa, this landing? Elim, if you're going to tell me a Skupa Sushasarabim, that its main focus is to serve the Rushasarabim and it's in the Rushasarabim. So Neutlum Balabayas, we said you're allowed to take from the Balabayas, Hamapik Mershasayachal, Rushasarabim. In essence, 
essence, you're taking something from Rishus Yachid where the Baal Bias is to Rishus Rabim, because the main focus of this Yiskupa, this landing, is for the Rishus Rabim. So we say, you're right, Ali Yiskupa is Rishus Yachid. Really, the landing is connected to the Rishus Yachid. So we say, hold on, Naitulmin Ani, we had said you're allowed to take from the Ani. Hakam Al Rishus Ram Rishus Yachid. That means that you're taking something from Rishus Rabim into Rishus Yachid, and that's not allowed. So we say, okay, fine, you're right, Ali Yiskupa is Carmelis. That it must be that this Yiskupa itself is a Carmelis, so it's kind of its own Rishus. The Gemara says, hold on, we said that l'chatchila you're allowed to take something from the ani or the balabayas. You're not allowed to do that l'chatchila if it's a caramelist. Soif soif. At the end of the day, isura mia isa. It's usher to do. You might not be chayiv, but it's still usher. So the gemara gives another suggestion. You're right. Ali skupa makayim patur ba'alma. And iskupa is a makayim patur ba'alma. How does this work? Going to less be al It's not four by four tvachim. And we had previously mentioned that anything that's less than four by four tvachim, but it's three tvachim tall, is considered a makayim patur and therefore transferring is allowed to happen from it. And this is a member we had previously as the Gemara continues. Rav Dimi had came and said this halacha in the name of Rav Yechon. Something that's less than four by four tvachim. People in both the Rosh Hashanah and Rosh Hashanah are allowed to adjust their burdens on it. As long as they don't exchange their burdens as long as the guy from Rosh Hashanah doesn't put his thing on it and the Rosh Hashanah put his thing on it and then they each take the other person's burden, that wouldn't be allowed. Amar Mar, again, we had previously said regarding this statement, the fellow standing on the skupa shouldn't take something from the Baal and give that item to the Ani. And he shouldn't take something from the Ani and give it to the Baal We had previously said, even though there's no Isser here, it shows some sort of zilzal, some sort of lack of honor to the Halachos that the Rabbanon established regarding Shabbos. But all of them are Potter, says the Gemara, let's say from the fact that all of them would be Potter, even if they did do this transfer, that's a disproof to what Rava said. Rava, Rava had previously told, Rava had told us, a person carries an object for Amos in Rosh Hashanah. Even though he transferred this object, Tess Amr Aleph on the top, even though he transferred this object, Derech Alav, Above his way, meaning he carried it above tent fachim. That means he's carrying it through a makayim patur. Chayev, he's still chayev, says Rava. So we see our halacha is not like Rava because our halacha, this fellow on the skupa, effectively transferred this item from Rishus Hayachid all the way to the Rishus Rabim over a makayim patur, and he's patur. Whereas Rava's fellow transferred an object within a Roshas Rabim, or could even be from Roshas Yachat to Roshas Rabim, and he carried it over Mekayim Petur, and he would be Chayiv. So it must be as a disproof to Rava's halacha. The Gemara says, Hasam Lainach, is that Rava's halacha was regarding a person who was carrying something, and he never placed the item down. He never rested. He was constantly in forward motion. So therefore, even though he carried it through a Mekayim Petur, he never placed it down in the Mekayim Petur, so that's how he would be Chayiv. But Hacha, in our case, Nach, this object rested because there's three people involved in this. The Baal Bayez gave something to the fellow standing on the Hiskupa. So that's considered like a Hanacha in the Hiskupa in the Mekayim Petur. And then once again, it made its way out of the Mekayim Petur into the Rosh Hashanah So it rested in the Mekayim Petur and that's where the fellow would be putter. So even Rava would agree in that case that the fellow would be putter. Everyone should have a wonderful, special week.